Hello, everybody. I'm Yakub Tony, and this is the FDI podcast. Today, we are going to talk about the new free trade agreement between the United States, Mexico, and Canada, also known as the USMCA. As soon as President Donald Trump rose to power, he made it clear that it would change, if not ditch altogether, NAFTA, which has regulated free trade between the three countries since 1994. In other words, he bullied Mexico and Canada into renegotiating it. Eventually, he pulled it off. The new agreement, the USMCA, is now being ratified by the three countries. An element that went largely overlooked is the major changes that the USMCA introduces with regards to investment protection. The investment protection provisions of NAFTA, as well as other trade and investment treaties, have been caused of much controversy in recent years as the number of arbitration claims raised by foreign investors against host countries has been rapidly growing. These provisions have become a pillar of the global market order as they provide foreign investors with an insurance against risks such as expropriation, discrimination, and political risks. But they've also become a major headache for host countries, which have often felt overridden in their capacity to regulate and judge foreign investment. The USMCA changes the state of things and may become a new paradigm for future trade and investment agreements. The Columbia University in New York even referred to it as the new gold standard to enforce investment protection in an article published in January. Its author, Orlando Cabrera, an associate lawyer with law firm Ogal Lowell's based in Mexico City, is on the phone with us today. Welcome to the show, Orlando. So tell us why you consider USMCA as the new gold standard for investment protection. Well, I think um, uh, the USMCA uh, has a particular standard or particular mechanism to enforce uh, two sets of uh, two sets of, of, of provisions in order to help um, states and investors convey the interests. Um, probably I need to refer a little bit on the background. Uh, currently, states they are. Um, expressing concerns at the ONC Trial Working Group 3. And among those many concerns, there is this um, concern regarding the regulatory chill, which is basically the possibility to, 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 to limit their sovereign right to regulate morals, environment, health. Uh, so states are encountering this concern and this fear because if they pass a regulation against the environment, against the food, against I don't know, whatever they find suitable for the population, they are going to encounter uh, a, an upset investor that will start arbitration. So I think uh, this is why the USMCA provides a unique, uh, a unique opportunity to address both the interests of the investors and also it helps to solve the concerns of states. Um, so and basically, what, what, what are the major changes that um, are introduced with the USMCA with regard to what you just said? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the uniqueness on, on which uh, the, the the chapter 14 um, rests are basically two mechanisms, two mechanisms to enforce distinct categories of investments. Uh, we have a first category, which I call the general investments, the traditional ones. So these uh, general investors can claim breaches only to national treatment, most favored nation treatment, and expropriation. And regarding most favored nation, it's only at investments post-establishment phase. And then we have a second category of uh, investments, which are called the covered government contracts. Um, these government, go- government contracts, um, they, they have a broader protection because they, these provisions allow investors 
um, that they have concluded a governmental, a governmental contract and related activities in the oil and gas, power generation, public telecommunications, uh, public transportation, and certain public uh, infrastructure to claim breaches to the full um, spectrum, to the full provisions of the treaty. So in addition to the three ones I have already mentioned, we have the minimum standard of treatment, which includes for equitable treatment, full protection, um, uh, indirect expropriation, and some others like transfers, performance requirements, senior management, and so forth. So I think this uh, double uh, scheme or double mechanism right. uh, to protect investments is, is the new gold standard. Okay, so basically uh, we have to make a distinction between uh, general investors and investors uh, um, that are dealing with, uh, with the government in host authorities, in this particular case in Mexico or in the U.S., um, that in particular sectors, uh, oil and gas, in this, in this case, oil and gas, energy, telecommunications, if I'm not uh, mistaken. And uh, for general for the general investors, which are, I guess, the majority of investors, imagine investors in manufacturing and other um, major uh, sectors uh, that don't fall under the umbrella of uh, the, the covered the government uh, uh, contract sectors like uh, oil and gas, energy, and telecommunication. So for all these investors, uh, um, there are main differences for, from from uh, traditional investment protection security, as you were mentioning. Uh, for example, they cannot, and correct me if I'm wrong, they cannot claim, uh, they cannot raise claim under the so-called fair and equitable treatment provision, right? Which was uh, one of the very controversial provisions of uh, traditional standard investment protection uh, treaties. Yeah, that's correct. Um, actually, for an equivalent treatment, these three words, you cannot imagine the amount of case law that has been developed only on, based on, on these three words. Right. And, uh, well, experts have said that uh, for an equivalent treatment contains the broadest notions in regards to the rule of law and, and, and government uh, regulation. For instance, it contains transparency, legitimate expectations, um, even denial of justice. So it's very broad, the protection granted by FET or for an equitable treatment and limiting investors um, to certain type of claims and excluding FET. Well, it gives, uh, it limits the uh, state's risk exposure. Um, so I think it's, it's a, a way that states can help to solve their regulatory concerns. Yeah. Another major controversy regarding international arbitration and investor state uh, uh, protection dispute uh, mechanism resolutions um, regarding the supremacy of uh, international arbitration over um, domestic courts. And also in this particular case, the USMCA addresses the issue for general investors, so not for the special protected category, but for general investors, um, by saying that basically even when you have... Uh, uh, a legit claim before going uh, uh, into international arbitration, you have to exhaust uh, local remedies. Is that correct? Yes. Um, um, I mean, this is a, a groundbreaking, um, groundbreaking provision, and, and it's a complete different uh, standard or a complete different mindset because um, traditionally the U.S. and Mexico, they they... They did not uh, negotiate or they did not agree these type of provisions, but now we have seen uh, a different mindset. And, and, and yes, USMCA requires to exhaust local remedies uh, for general investments. 
so investors that they want to claim this type of uh, this type of uh, treaty breaches, they would have first to exhaust for a certain period of time uh, before local courts, and then if they don't have uh, the desired result, they they would need to start uh, the international arbitration. Do you believe that this would uh, deter investors from raising a claim at all? Um, for sure. I mean, um, I, I think I, I, I think uh, the, uh, investors they always face uh, a, complex, a complexity when they try to invest abroad, um, and of course they need to uh, measure and gauge all their uh, possibilities, and, and of course they they try to 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 see all the options, and of course uh, local courts are the most immediate option. But having these uh, different uh, standards and, and requirements like exhausting local remedies or limiting to certain provisions, for sure, that will certainly decrease the amount of cases against, of, uh, against Mexico regarding the traditional in- investors. So I think that would be a, a deterrent. And also, I, I would like to point just a case that is very well known. It's the famous Philip Morris case against Uruguay. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably, as you may recall, Uruguay passed um, some strict regulation regarding uh, uh, tobacco tobacco manufacturing, and basically the the, the regulation addressed two points. Uh, the first point prohibited um, packaging or, or variants of cigarettes. Uh, so basically, they set a single presentation for 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 tobacco, and this precluded, as I said, um, the use of of different trademarks and uh, the variety of, of cigarettes. And also, they increase their size of the logos, you know, advertising the, the health warnings and on the surface of the of the package. So, Philip Morris considered that this was against um, the provisions of the treaty, and they allege uh, treaty breaches under the Switzerland uh, Uruguay VIT. And uh, well, they went to to they started this international arbitration against Uruguay, and. Um, the, the arbitral tribunal found that Uruguay was um, properly using their uh, sovereign right to regulate, and uh, Uruguay um, was passing a regulation that was aiming at protecting public health. So, for this reason, um, the tribunal did not found did not find any any um, uh, violation to the treaty regarding expropriation. So, these type of cases that um, uh, are being uh, are questioning the, the public policies, the right to regulate, the exercise of police powers regarding the environment, food or tobacco, as I said. Well, certainly under the new uh, mechanism provided by by USMCA, we'll have uh, fewer possibilities or, or probably no chances to advance a claim under USMCA. So I think um, the mechanism limits the the, the states risk exposure to, to this type of claims. Yes, yes. Also, also, we have to, to, to remember that Canada um, opted out uh, the, this mechanism altogether. So basically, this is uh, the investment protection is something that holds just between uh, the U.S. and Mexico, but Canada decided to opt out. It was one of the options that was uh, left open for, for each one of the single members of the, the agreement. Uh, but how can it, uh, very last point, Orlando, how can it become... Uh, a paradigm for uh, for other governments. How do you see 
uh, other governments uh, that are in the process of negotiating uh, investment or trade agreements um, using or referring to this uh, um, new uh, model introduced by the USMCA to shape up um, their negotiations? Yeah, well, I think I have two points to answer your question. The first one uh, refers particularly to Canada. And, and, and when Canada um, came to the negotiations of USMCA, Canada had just concluded the EU-Canada Comprehensive Economic and Trade Agreement, CETA, which contains a provision to an investment court. Right. So the first thing I, I see that there is a very blurred future for investment arbitration. Um, Personally, I, I do not see any clarity regarding the future of what is going to happen. We have this investment court. We have some states that they have withdrawn from the, from the, from the exit convention, from some BITs, uh, states like uh, Mexico and the U.S. that they continue with the arbitration system. But, but, but I think uh, the opportunity or the, 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 the offer that the USMCA uh, is putting forward it's because the mechanism uh, provides or addresses, as I said previously, the concerns of states. I mean, on the one hand, you protect the most sensitive sectors, as oil and gas, telecommunications, that traditionally these sectors, they have been surrounded by the political risk. So governments all around the world, they have a, a, a concern, but, but at the same time, investors are exposed to a higher political uh, risk in these sectors. So I guess part of the gold standard is that um, investors in the, in the most sensitive sectors, they have the opportunity to be protected under the treaty. And at the same time, states, uh, they keep the right to regulate by, by giving um, a less, uh, less important or less uh, restrictive protection uh, to general investments. So just giving three standards of protection, they have um, substantive leeway to, to exercise their police powers and to pass any other regulations concerning health, environment, and so forth. So for instance, um, Colombia, which is uh, a state that has important foreign direct investment, may consider to grant a broader protection for oil and uh, mining sectors and probably to grant a lesser or, or, or less uh, important um, protection to other, uh, to other sectors like financial services, agriculture, manufacturing. And in this way, they can solve the concern, um, giving a, a substantive protection to the most sensitive sectors, but at the same time to have the opportunity to exercise the sovereign right to regulate. Right, right. So very interesting development. Uh, this happens. Um, in, in, in a few years, uh, we have seen uh, many different developments in the, in the field of uh, uh, investor state uh, uh, dispose, dispute uh, resolution mechanisms. Uh, for example, one a big example was India, that also India sort of like tried to, 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 to take another, another road to investment protection and try to re reassert the supremacy or domestic court over uh, international arbitration. They terminated all their bilateral investment treaties um, a couple of years ago, and now this uh, new model introduced by the U.S. MCA would be interesting to see to see how um, not only investors and states react to this, but also the legal industry react to this. But maybe this is 
um, all matter for a, another another podcast per se altogether. But Orlando, uh, thank you very much for being with us today. Uh, tell us um, where can our listener uh, get in touch with you, read your article, your stories. How can they uh, make connection with you? Well, I'm very active in social uh, social networks, so you can find me either in Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, as Orlando Cabrera or Orlando F Cabrera, you can find me in any of the of the um, of the social social media networks I have said, and also you can contact me by email to orlando.cabrera at hoganlovels.com. Thank you again, Orlando. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, as always, you can find all our podcasts on uh, Acast, iTunes. Now also on Spotify and obviously on fdiintelligence.com slash podcast. Until the next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.